0: Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you the reviews on the latest movies and TV shows, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television. Whether you're looking for a new show to binge or want to know if that blockbuster is worth the trip to the theater or just want to hear my thoughts on a classic or foreign film, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes, and let's dive into the world of film and television together. On today's episode, I am talking about the classic sci-fi film, 2001, A Space Odyssey. This came out in 1968, directed by Stanley Kubrick, also written by Stanley Kubrick, as well as Arthur C. Clarke. It stars... Here Dwella, Gary Lockwood, William Sylvester, and Douglas Rain. After uncovering a mysterious artifact buried beneath the lunar surface, a spacecraft, a spacecraft is sent to Jupiter to find its origins. A spacecraft manned by two men and a supercomputer, HAL 9000, HAL 9000, This is a classic that I have tried to watch multiple times. I'm a fan of Stanley Kubrick films. I am a fan of sci-fi. But every time I started to watch this film, I never got past the Dawn of Man segment of this film, which is at the beginning with the apes. This time, however, I did get past that segment. Uh, And because it's like it's been on my list Forever, it has been. I'm a you know, I used to have back in the DVD days, I used to own many Stanley Kubrick films. This one was not one of them, or maybe it was, and I just never saw it. I don't remember. It's one that I have tried to watch multiple times and has been on my list, my watch list, everywhere it's been available for as long as I've had watch lists online on streaming services, and finally finally decided this was going to be the week i watch this classic sci-fi film to find out what the hubbub is all about with this movie so this time i did and i have to say for a sci-fi film made in 1968 i completely understand why it's such a classic and i agree it is a classic of the genre for all of those reasons. I see where so many sci fi films and TV shows have been inspired by this movie clearly. However, the reason I never got past the Dawn of Man segment was because this movie is very slow. This movie has horrible pacing, which is fine completely fine this movie is slow and for a big portion of this movie very unclear what this movie is even about what is the purpose that I am watching this this movie that at times has very loud and annoying score soundtrack audio because there's not a whole lot of dialogue and let me tell you Some of the dialogue and some of the scenes where people are talking are kind of worthless scenes. So I know that may be insulting to some people, but I do understand culturally, artistically, in the film universe, I understand the reasoning why this movie is so well-loved and why in 1968 this movie was mind blowing. I mean, this was. I mean, I. Especially now, I mean, I'm 42 years old, right? I was born in 1980. I've seen all of the sci fi films, for the most part. There's still. I have some other sci fi films on my list of shame, don't get me wrong. But I've seen a lot of the great sci fi films, especially modern sci fi films. And while watching this, I'm like, oh, that's where they got, that's where they were inspired by. I've been rewatching Star Trek, The Next Generation, and there's so many visuals, so many com- concepts in this movie that you see depicted in that show. One of our, I think it's my favorite film by uh, Christopher Nolan interstellar i believe i did a top five episode of 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 his uh christopher nolan's movies and i believe that was my number one and it was only my number one after a rewatch which i didn't like it necessarily or i didn't appreciate it as much as i did in the rewatch and i i feel like this movie may be that as well now that i've gotten through this movie now that i know what this movie is really about. Now that I know I could probably just miss the first hour of this movie and not really miss anything. This is a a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie that I feel could easily be a 90-minute masterpiece. But I understand why that first hour was so mind-blowing to the audiences of 1968. To see these realistic depictions of space, space travel... These scenes, seeing the minutia of day to day life as imagined by the original author of the short story that this movie is based on. So a lot of that is kind of like that proof of concept type of like, hey, look at what space is going to be like in this fictional future that we're depicting in this movie. And this is how people, this is what it's going to be like for people to walk. This is what it's going to be like for people to, to like eat food. This is what it's, this is what the, the anti-gravity toilet procedure is going to look like, right? Which after having seen hundreds of sci-fi films and kind of understanding a lot of that stuff and also understanding how unrealistic a lot of, like this is, this didn't necessarily hit in the same way black mirror hit on a lot of their sci-fi concepts but still it's not as mind-blowing watching it in the year 2023 as I'm sure it was in 2020 in 1968 so i do have a lot of respect for what this movie is doing i do get it that it is a masterpiece I get the cultural relevance of it, the cinematic relevance of it. And the last hour is really compelling, really interesting, and I really enjoyed the last, like, 90 minutes of this movie. But the first hour of this movie is very boring and is why I failed at trying to watch this movie so many times. So... To get that clear out of the way. That's why. But obviously if you haven't watched it. It's uh, clearly I recommend it. I would. I mean especially. If somebody hasn't seen it. And there's somebody who appreciates film. Appreciates sci-fi. To see in many ways. Kind of the, the pinnacle. Of what film was doing. Like one that really broke. A lot of. Brains of the time showing people stuff they had not seen yet in film, had not seen yet in any way. Maybe in some psychedelic trip had seen images, had visions of. So I understand that. But from a narrative take through the lens of 2023, the first hour is very boring, very boring. But the last hour is really, really great. And like, you know, the the themes of, of artificial intelligence, which is, you know, a theme and something we're dealing with in modern day as artificial intelligence is becoming far more popular and widespread. The idea of artificial intelligence wanting to protect itself from elimination, uh, f- using artificial intelligence as a way to streamline and and uh, make things far more efficient in space travel or in technology spaces in general so this movie does a lot of things the scale is amazing so much is amazing right so i would definitely recommend it but if you know it like if I recommended it to somebody and then they came back and they're like, I couldn't get past the beginning. Like the whole dawn of man aspect, there's a lot of metaphor going on in the opening of this film. So I would understand, I would be sympathetic. I would be sympathetic to me knowing I hadn't seen it and hearing my attempts and not being able to get back. But nobody, I maybe people did and I just didn't buy it, but nobody's like, you can kind of just as you got to get through about an hour of it and then it kind of gets into the story like there's like thing there's even like conversations with that people have that have nothing to do with anything with the actual plot of what we find out the the meat of this story is but i do think this film is a work of art far more than i think it's a a great form of entertainment I think there's definitely aspects of the very entertaining the last portion of this movie, but more artistic value than entertainment value, I would say. Especially the fact that I think a lot of the things that this film does that are so interesting in the the final 90 minutes have been done at even better, right? They've been done in ways that are even more compelling and more entertaining, you know, as things do in time but uh, I still appreciate that it's clear how much this film inspired and was used so many aspects of this were used in so many other films the opening of this very great this amazing visual storytelling right? very minimal very powerful it starts with like a very long black screen I literally checked multiple times to make sure I was actually playing the movie There was an ominous score. The score is kind of, there's like a, I forget what that's called, how the orchestra kind of plays some of the music before. But there is this like this ominous music that plays in this black screen. Before you see anything, before there's a title card of any kind, before there's even the the bumper, the, the logo of the production company, before you see anything, when you first hit play, this movie is already like, this movie is, like, begging you not to watch it in a lot of ways. The first, o- the opening of this movie. Although the opening of this movie is a great kind of visual representation of, like, before there was anything, there was darkness, and then there's this ominous sound, and then, you know, and then there's, like, the title, the, titles, the uh, logo screen of MGM, right? And you get this, the, the epic kind of title card scene. You have the moon and the earth and the sun all aligning like before there was nothing and then there was the heavens like very you know genesis from the bible or you know phil collins from his greatest hits album let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about attention Attention all radio We're excited to announce we've just released a line of exclusive merchandise featuring original artwork inspired by the show. Our high quality shirts and biodegradable phone cases are a perfect way to show your support for the show and make a great gift for any fan. Plus, with each purchase, you'll be helping us continue to bring you great content. So don't wait, head on over to inspiredisorder.com now and check out the full collection. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll show your support by grabbing some Ray Taylor show merchandise today. And now, let's get back to the show. So very, you know, powerful storytelling. Obviously the score a lot of triumphant music but also very ominous like whining like swirling moans and crying of just like it's it like goes from like very triumphant music to very ominous and off-putting sounds uh that happen very little dialogue i mean just from the opening it's clear that kubrick very confident in his in in the way he put the opening of this together also a great way illustrating existence before anything kind of the big bang in some ways being the sound uh you know or pre-big bang and then the planets and stars and the sun rising visually stunning very epic the score um is very stone cold classic score Uh, The meat of the story, however, takes a long time to get to, right? Then you have Earth, the sun rising, right? We get the Dawn of Man chapter card and the movie drags, you know, feels kind of pointless until we see the mission to Jupiter, in my opinion. So for almost an hour, it's just shots of like things happening, like very like pen floating in air And flight attendant grabbing it out of the air and it's like clearly just showing off this effect. A lot of people walking, seemingly walking, you know, weightless, uh, walking up walls and walking on ceilings, seeing how, you know, all of the, the very minutia and logistics of like showing off this world but once we get into the mission of jupiter then it's very interesting film right very simple story but very effective as well and also at the end very psychedelic visuals mind bending concepts as we've seen in other s- interstellar many different episodes of star trek and movies of star trek a lot of star in space travel movies that that clearly have borrowed and taken from the ideas and the visuals of the end of this movie. So I do understand the impact of this film. Uh, I would have loved to this movie at 90 minutes. As I've said, I feel like a lot of the shots early on are just Stanley Kubrick kind of showing off his abilities to make everything look like it's in space to show the epic scale of the different ships and everything else to show how every little thing in space works how like the machines work and just really trying to make you feel like you're there but not really concerned at all about telling any kind of story in those moments which i'm sure at the time blew people's minds right just to see those things to see conceptually those things come to life on screen but in today's in today's spoiled minds it's like okay let's get to it all right but i do want to talk kind of about uh, specific scenes i want to talk about the end so for anybody that hasn't seen this movie like i hadn't 2 weeks ago i won't judge you for it but if you're curious to watch and understand why this movie is a masterpiece, to understand why this movie is a piece of art. I would highly go recommend checking it out and understand it's tough for about an hour. But then it's very interesting. And even that first hour, think of it as like an hour, it's kind of a meditation. It's it's tough to get through. The sounds can be off-putting. Could be confusing. Don't expect too much story. Just kind of let it wash over you and settle in. You know, maybe like if if do it with like a dinner. Right. And then, you know, kind of uh, maybe put it on while you're preparing the meal (laughs) or while you're eating and after you're done eating. I would say also this movie might be great for somebody who ingests or enjoys eating cannabis. If you're if you like edibles on any level. If you were to take an edible at the beginning of this movie, in an hour when the movie actually starts to kick in, so would your edible, give or take, depending on your metabolism and the type of edible and how your body reacts to edibles, all those things. But it usually takes, you know, 30 to 60 minutes for an edible to kick in. And I think that would be, you know, that'd be good, like right when the story's kicking in, to have the edible kick in and to feel that kind of stress. And also would help you justify any confusion you might have. I would say that would be a good pairing with this movie as well. Um, But definitely enjoy the visuals and understand this was... Like the first time people were seeing anything like this. Some of my thoughts on the opening... My interpretations of the opening. When you have these apes living in harmony with each other at the very beginning and then the monolith shows up and i think in my opinion i haven't read any opinions this is just kind of my interpretation as watching it kind of really my mind going crazy there's a horror film i watched recently called Skin and Marink, which is kind of insane that i'm bringing that up on this review but it's very similar the opening to this movie in many ways is very similar to Skin and Marink. although Skin and Marink has even less Like, you are doing so much storytelling within your brain watching that horror film. And I'm doing the similar thing watching this, but given more to kind of come up with ideas and interpretations. So we have these apes seemingly living in harmony with everything, with nature. And then this monolith shows up, and it seems like that this monolith represents technology, potentially, or at least change on some level. Right. Something new and novel gets introduced that's different than everything else and causes a change, which seems like that's when it leads to apes being more destructive, destroying things, killing things. Right. And you have the like this kind of almost a montage of animals, these other animals that are there. I don't know. I don't know if they're anteaters or what. I don't know what those animals are, but you see them like kind of falling down seemingly representing these animals dying and then you have like this ape destroying a skeleton with a bone and like it just seems like after the monolith that is when things change and greed and the the worst parts of of life kind of come through where everything was harmonious prior to this monolith showing up maybe then we have Right. We have this whole thing with the apes and then it cuts all the way to the future where there's like this commercial space travel. It takes its time showing how food is served in these like little boxes with straws. You know, this flight attendant walking on ceilings, having these special booties on the instructions for the anti-gravity toilet. By far the most ridiculous thing. Right. Like there's paragraphs. That you have to read of instructions to use the toilet in these spacecrafts, which would never work in reality. If an idea can't be communicated with basic images, then people will never use it. People will never use it correctly. So the these instructions for the toilet are ridiculous. It takes his time showing how everything works. Everything moves so slow. Like we will watch somebody walk from one end of a room to the other end of the room slowly. We will watch somebody come over, walk over to a machine, and touch some buttons, and just just watch. Like like we're watching p- animals in a zoo. Just like nothing's ha- like exactly like when you go to a zoo and you just watch creatures in their habitat. That is what a lot of this movie is until the the. Sh- Trip to, you're just watching animals in their enclosure doing stuff. But the scale is amazing. It's really cool to see, the, you know, as this capsule is landing on the moon, this moon base, the capsule almost looks like a, a, a head. Like windows look like eyes. There's a shadow that almost looks like a node. Like it's imagery is very interesting in the scale to see all the little windows and the people as this thing's going. And landing, that's really cool. There's a monolith that's uncovered on the moon, right? This where we hear the ominous score again. Very anxiety-inducing. These swarming moans that this score is producing, the the score of this film. Then there's a high-pitched sound, right, as they go to take a picture in front of it. So very, like, off-putting, audibly, very off-putting, the moments of this movie. Right, this movie is like begging you not to watch it in so many ways and then we have about an hour in i still have no idea what this movie is about aside from highlighting just the detailed look and feel of space travel a lot of beautiful shots guy jogging and shadow boxing you have impressive camera work all over the place It is cool when you see them watching these two space guys as we're in the Jupiter mission now watching these two space guys watching the news on nine by six nine by 16 aspect ratio screens almost like tablets like how I film every episode of the Ray Taylor show I film in nine by six nine by 16 aspect ratio. So it's cool to see that aspect in this movie. Uh, As these two guys are watching the same broadcast. Sitting next to each other eating paste. This food that looks like paste. Um, That was cool. You have Hal, the AI central computer. Which just living and existing in pop culture. I understood the whole Hal computer thing. I kind of understood aspects of this story. Once we get to the story. And the scene where he gets in a pod. To go replace a part that supposedly failed right all you hear is like there's a lot of audio of this movie that is very off-putting all you hear in that moment is the guy breathing and what sounds like this gas or liquid rushing through pipes like this hissing very nerve-wracking let's take a quick break from this episode because i want to promote Are you looking for a way to take your love of The Ray Taylor Show to the next level? Look no further than Inspired Disorder Plus. As a member, you'll get access to a whole host of amazing perks, including the full week of shows ad-free in both audio and video versions, a live painting archive, early access to the many faces, members only discounts and deals, a podcast back catalog with over 600 episodes. But that's not all. As a member, you You'll get access to my personal blog as well as my creative writing. You'll also get the chance to ask me anything you want. With all of these benefits and more, Inspired Disorder Plus is a must-have for any fan of The Ray Taylor Show. So don't wait. Go sign up now. Head on over to inspireddisorder.com and start enjoying all of the amazing perks of the membership. And now, let's get back to the show. And there's this like they get the piece they find out that it's actually not malfunctioning so now it's like okay so is hal wrong which hal has never been wrong there's never been proof of these systems ever having any kind of failure hal obviously blaming it on human failure which is usually the most likely thing but there's this possibility that hal is malfunctioning so the two guys go to get privacy so that hal can't hear them they go into one of the pods Kind of shut off comms and test to make sure Hal isn't listening. But of course, in that moment, so they can talk privately to see what they do if they suspect Hal is broken. And I was expecting Hal, like I assume, knowing kind of that Hal becomes kind of the antagonist of this movie. I assume that like Hal was actually listening, but knowing that they wanted privacy, not responding when they were testing to see if he was listening. But then you see from Hal's camera, because there's little cameras all over the place that Hal represents Hal's eyes. It cuts to perspective of those cameras and seeing Hal reading their lips, which I thought was interesting, right? Could have easily been just like, oh, I was listening, but whatever. I think it's even more interesting that it was reading their lips. Right? And then there's an intermission, which I was not expecting. Like, this movie should have been 90 minutes. There's no need for an intermission to be existing in this movie. And it's weird to see an intermission on a movie that's two and a half hours long. But also, after having seen a bunch of movies from the 60s recently, uh, when I ranked my top ten... My top five movies that were that won Best Picture in the 60s. A lot of those movies. There was a lot of movies with intermission back then. So at the same time, I'm not that surprised that there's an intermission. Kind of surprised with the placement of the intermission. I would assume it would have taken place before the Jupiter mission. Like the you'd have them taking the picture in front of the monolith. Crazy noise. Crazy noise cut to intermission although most people would probably just leave at the moment and then when you get back oh we're on the interesting part of the movie and you could have just cut all that other stuff out but anyways it is interesting to see the scale of the main ship that they're on compared to the pod because you see the people in comparison to the pod when they get in them and then when you see the pod come out you realize how small this ship actually is, where so many other things looked like m- this massive scale. These pods, compared to the main ship, there is not that much space, area, living space on this. I mean, aside from the long hallway corridor that connects the this ball part to this other part. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, a lot. It was just a lot smaller than I expected. Also. The reasoning why they get into the pods in general, like to go out and do the spacewalk thing to to fix this thing. They get into a pod. The pod floats kind of away from the ship and they get out of the pod and they float back to the ship to then replace the piece. And then they float back to the pod and then come back to the ship like Aside from knowing what Hal uses the pod for, it's, like, doesn't make sense why they would even need the pod. Like, I would understand if they were in the pod, and then they use the pod to do the repairs. But it's like, they go out of their way, but obviously it leads to Hal kind of throwing the other astronaut into space... When they go to replace the thing after he hears that they're going to shut Hal down if if he's wrong. But whatever. Obviously that's what it did. Also the design of the space helmets from the top look like frog heads. And there's a lot of shots from the top of these astronauts in their space helmets. So the whole time I'm like is this intentional to make them look like frogs for some reason? I don't know but definitely noticed it so you see him throw the astronaut away how killing the people in cryo right taking over this situation really saving himself knowing that he's at risk this artificial intelligence is at risk for being killed in many ways and you see the camera angles change you know they're all I mean, you have the one guy going in a different pod to go try and rescue the guy and really cool scene where he has to, like, burst through into the airlock or whatever. That's great. And the the camera after he returns to the main ship, very chaotic, more handheld, very low perspective, very, you know, really matching the tension of the, of the moment after he gets back on. And a cool scene when he goes to turn Hal off after realizing that Hal is trying to kill him in order to save itself. Hal trying to convince him not to turn him off and describing what death feels like to Hal was very, as his voice slows down, very interesting. And then we get the hissing with the breathing again. And then you get this video that's supposed to play when they reach Jupiter to the people, which is is also interesting, that's like we need you. We telling you this now that you're there because they had no idea what their mission was, and it was all to like, f- just you know, investigate this monolith that the monolith on the moon was pointing to. And then you have the kind of psychedelic when he like goes into the, I don't even the star portal. I don't even know what they consider it psychedelic colors like going by him, very cool looking which you see like every sci-fi thing has a version of this scene and the ending of it where he's like in the pod is all of a sudden in this victorian style bedroom where like the floor is lit up super cool you see him he sees himself as like an old man eating And then even an older man laying in bed, staring at the monolith in front of him. Then you see him as a giant fetus in like inside the embryo in while still in bed. And next he's the fetus as the size of an earth and the triumphant music. So like a great kind of mind bending end to this whole thing. The kind of all is one, time is a flat circle, you know, outer space is no different than inner space. We're all can, all that kind of ideas and things when it comes to space and the 60s and sci fi and all of those things. I, I really did enjoy the end. I mean, it really, this movie really gets good once we're on the mission, but it takes a while to get there. So definitely a mind-bending film in a time when film was starting to change. Going from very normal musicals, typical stories, to being very experimental, trying new things. Obviously, the the whole counterculture movement, the experimentation with drugs and psychedelics and all those things, clearly inspired a lot of this stuff. But you know amazing that this was kind of that first that first really interesting take on space travel wasn't expecting the intermission movie could have been 90 minutes it is a masterpiece in every way except for like the pacing and lack of story in the beginning like if there was a story give me something i mean there's even a scene before we even get to the trip to jupiter where it's like se- like some kind of airport place this guy on his way to the moon base and he has like this meeting with like these three women and this other dude like none of that stuff means anything i don't think it means anything you don't need to know it i don't think it added anything to the end not that i paid enough like i I think after having nothing being said and all of a sudden there's some dialogue i would have paid more attention but it's just it would have been nice if there was some kind of, some kind of narrative going through, um, but well, I I understand what this movie was trying to do, and I think is is good. Uh, I'm fine. I'm glad I'm finally watched it. You know, inspired me to start preparing for a top five episode that I will do on Stanley Kubrick films to rank my top five Stanley Kubrick films uh, to go back and watch re-watch many of his films that I've watched before there's a few like this movie uh, a few Stanley Kubrick films that I have not seen that I'm excited to finally see um, I mean he was making a lot of movies kind of it seemed like he made a ton of movies then there was kind of a change and he started making kind of masterpieces and I don't know I'm excited to go back and dig through his filmography uh, to do my top five films We'll see if this makes the list as I've gotten time away from watching this movie. I appreciate it more Um, and we'll see if I rewatch rewatch it before I do that top five. But I am preparing for it just to see how all of his movies stack up, because, you know, this was I I do respect this movie for what it was. Um, And I respect you and thank you for watching this episode of The Ray Taylor Show. And I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on 2001, A Space Odyssey. Don't forget to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for more movie and TV show reviews. And Join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on YouTube.com slash Inspired Disorder. Until next time, enjoy the show. Subscribe to The Ray Taylor Show on YouTube and everywhere podcasts are found. Binge the full week ad-free over at disordercom slash plus.